Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're going to experience a second death blow to our self-righteousness. It started with the first one last week when our passage in Matthew chapter 5 forced us to ask the question, am I a murderer? We continue this week with verses 27 through 30 in chapter 5, and the question Jesus forces us to ask this week is, am I an adulterer? No doubt most in Jesus' audience would have immediately answered this question with, of course not. But that's because they understood the question differently than what Jesus meant by asking it. Similar to the murderer question, Jesus' point was that just because you may not have committed the actual sin, the state of your heart tells an entirely different story. And the question therefore demands a different answer than you might otherwise give. Here is today's segment of the sermon that asks the question, Are you an adulterer? Well, it's our joy to continue in our studies through the Sermon on the Mount. And we are in a section here where we're proceeding paragraph by paragraph through a series of examples that Jesus uses. And I think by the time we get to the end of this chapter, you will thoroughly know the point that he is emphasizing over and over again. Now, in case you haven't noticed, we live in a society that is awash in sensuality. There's stuff around us that we wish we didn't have to deal with uh, all the time. The whole advertising industry is built upon a combination of sensuality and covetousness uh, and very successful because we, we buy in. We, we get it. Today we come to the issue of sexual sin. And like all sin, we need to understand that it begins in your heart. So victory over temptation is going to be yours only when you fight the battle in the right place. Surpassing righteousness that Jesus demands requires no less of us than to fight the battle the right way. Now the summary to the introduction of this sermon after the Beatitudes Jesus' little uh, pericope in 5, 17 through 20 about not letting any part of the law not be fulfilled. He says this in Matthew 5, 20, and it amounts, it amounts to the theme verse, if you will, of this entire sermon. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, there were scribes and Pharisees read around when he spoke this. There were um, hordes of people around who were under the influence of the teaching and the theology of the scribes and Pharisees, which came to every synagogue every Sabbath day. And so that was a frontal assault on their whole system. The, the Pharisees and the scribes willingly set themselves up as the examples of righteousness. And Jesus says, you see them and you see how righteous they are? You'd have to get way past them to even get on the front porch of heaven. It's a big, big deal. Now he follows it up 
in verses 21 through 48, and we've seen the first of these. This is a series of examples that each illustrate what he means in verse 20. He's making the point, you can obey rules and regulations externally while maintaining a heart attitude of rebellion, and he wants you to get past it. These illustrations all have the same formula. Jesus begins each one with, you have heard that the ancients were told. In other words, this has been taught to you. You would read some of these things if you'd had the great privilege to read texts of the Old Testament, which most Jews didn't. They heard it taught in the synagogue. They were taught by their parents and by their, and by their rabbis. So he would say, You've heard the ancients were told, and then he would refer to a statement in God's law, which had become some well-known excerpt of it. Uh, Sometimes he would add in uh, a little bit of explanation that the scribes or Pharisees had added. Then he would go on to show that true righteousness or surpassing righteousness involves more than mere outward observance such as what was being practiced and taught by their religious leaders. He emphasized the true inner spirit of each one of these principles to offset the the shallowness and the abuses that were the rule of the day. So today we look at the subject of sexual sin, and as we did last Sunday when I asked, are you a murderer? I'm going to ask today, are you an adulterer? Everybody raise your hand. no, No, that's not... That's not the point. I know. Some hands started to go up. We have a few very responsive people in this wonderful gathering of folks. All right, Matthew five twenty-seven through 30. Uh, the letter of the law, verses 27 and 28, and then the implications of that law in 29 and 30. We start with the letter of the law. Chapter 5, verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. That's the seventh commandment. Uh, The word adultery is uh, the the word that describes any sexual activity outside of marriage that is committed by a married person. Now, you might wonder, why did he only speak of married people here? There's There's another word. This one is the word moikeia. There's the other word porneia, everything that we have that has P-O-R-N in it, comes from that Greek root. That word porneia is the more general one. It describes sexual sin by anyone married or single. Well, we can't say for sure why Jesus chose this word, but the, the fact is the two words are synonyms when it comes to uh, describing the activity that makes them sinful. Anything other than between a husband and a wife, sexual activity is wrong. And clearly, everything taught in this passage applies to all regardless of marital status. And by the way, I should also explain in advance, we've gotten into the, the, the silly situation in which the uh, time-honored customs of language uh, are deemed to no longer apply. Everything that Jesus says here about a man doing wrong, it's also wrong for a woman, okay? So don't get hung up on a, on a pronoun and think that you're excused. So he says, you shall not commit adultery, seventh commandment. You've heard that? Well, and you've heard rightly. That is true. 
Nothing wrong with the commandment. Jesus was not correcting or updating any of the Ten Commandments. It was the rabbinical expression and application of it that Jesus was dealing with. And you'll see how he does it in this text. Uh, The rabbis of his day, among the Pharisees, stopped with the letter of the law, the externals of the law. They did not deal with the heart issues. Their interpretation was super simple. If you don't have sexual intercourse with anyone other than your husband or wife, you're fine. But if that's your definition of righteousness, if that's your definition of holiness, that it's only a matter of avoiding something, you're missing the point. Uh, The rabbis stopped short of giving the full exposition of what that means. To be pure is not merely a matter of not doing things that are specified as wrong. To be pure is the active presence of holy thinking and righteous behavior. The rabbis should have understood the obvious connection between the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery, and a broader, more general commandment, which we know of as the tenth commandment. It's Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. And I see how that goes beyond, well, don't burn down your neighbor's house. Uh, You know, don't rob your neighbor's house. Don't even covet it. Don't covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. See, purity is more than avoiding certain acts. It's cultivating a pure heart. It is resisting impure thoughts that bubble up from your heart. And that's where the problem originates. Now, when it suited their purpose, the rabbis could be really severe about the seventh commandment. You know the story that's recorded in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, when the the Pharisees caught a a woman in adultery? That's really interesting how that's explained. I have a feeling they also caught a man. But they were rather selective in how they applied that. And I also know some of you are going to throw a yellow hanky and call a foul. Well, John 8, 1 through 11 isn't in the better manuscripts. Yes, it's not in the better manuscripts. And yes, it appears in several different places in other manuscripts and in the version that the King James translators use. There's a conflation that adds it between the end of John 7 and and John chapter 8, verse 12. But it does seem to be a very old and probably legitimate description of an event during the ministry of Jesus. It certainly fits or um, no one would have quoted it and passed it down. What we have in our text today is the explanation of why Jesus would have handled that situation in John 8 the way that he did. Jesus teaches us that evil lust is the heart of adultery, just as he taught us that anger is the heart of murder. Now, the command is absolute. Never commit sexual sin. Not hard to see. Verse 28. It says in verse 27, you've heard the ancients were told you should not commit adultery, but I say to you, 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.